the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved. And still the Bible stands, totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. And we are in the house. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks, for The Bible Live. We are going to continue our way tonight through the Gospel of Luke. As you know, we read through the entire Bible, Old and New Testaments of the Bible, and we alternate back and forth between them, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, then Matthew, Numbers and Deuteronomy, then Mark, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, and then now we are in the Gospel of Luke. Love the Old Testament, beautiful, powerful, wonderful stories, great illustrations of God himself, about our lives as human beings, about God's purpose for us on this planet Earth, and how we should live here on this Earth. Nothing bad about the Old Testament at all, but it's just so refreshing at times to come forward into the full light of the Messiah. There's only one gospel, one salvation, and that is by faith in God and his atoning provision for our sin, his forgiveness and cleansing found in the Messiah. Even in the Old Testament times, as they exercised their faith and obeyed God in the sacrificial system and so on, they were not trusting in the blood of goats and bulls to remove their sin. They were trusting in God's mercy, cleansing, and forgiveness, trusting in the atonement that those bulls and goats were prefiguring. Those sacrifices were foreshadowing the definitive sacrifice that God would make through Messiah, the promised, long-awaited Redeemer and Savior. They were placing their faith in God's mercy and grace through the sacrifice of Jesus the Messiah as well. They were doing it before the fact. 
we all look toward him, but it's so refreshing to come forward into the New Testament. Now, we're in the Gospel of Luke, which emphasizes the humanity, the manhood of Jesus, the Messiah. Matthew emphasizes Jesus, the king, the savior, the king of Israel. Mark emphasizes his servant nature, his servant qualities. And Luke emphasizes, at least, his humanity, affirming his deity as the Messiah, but emphasizing his humanity. Right now, let's go to the second part of Proverbs chapter 4 tonight in our Wisdom and Worship segment. Proverbs 4, verses 10 through 27. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. If you live a life guided by wisdom, you won't limp or stumble as you run. Carry out my instructions. Don't forsake them. Guard them, for they will lead you to a fulfilled life. Do not do as the wicked do or follow the path of evildoers. Avoid their haunts. Turn away and go somewhere else. For evil people cannot sleep until they have done their evil deed for the day. They cannot rest until they have caused someone to stumble. They eat wickedness and drink violence. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like complete darkness. Those who follow it have no idea what they are stumbling over. Pay attention, my child, to what I say. Listen carefully. Don't lose sight of my words. Let them penetrate deep within your heart, for they bring life and radiant health to anyone who discovers their meaning. Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay far from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet, then stick to the path and stay safe. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. End of reading, Proverbs 4, 10 through 27. This is The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Surrounded by your grace, how we really appreciate that wonderful truth. What a wonderful privilege it is that you and I get to live our lives every day, every minute, every hour of our lives in the context of who God is, the great creator, the king of the universe. We have a privilege of living our lives in the light of his presence. He walks with us. He guides us. He speaks to us. He provides for our lives in every moment, in every way, as he molds us and shapes us into the likeness of his dear son, the Messiah himself, transforming our character so that we reflect his character. What an amazing privilege and what a joy, what a thrill, what a delight is ours to know our God and walk with him and have the assurance not only that we're going to go be with him when we pass from this life into the next, but we have his presence and the assurance of his guidance and his protection, his provision every moment of our lives, every day. What an excitement that brings to our existence. That is the good news. That's the gospel. That's why Jesus came, as we read about his life and ministry now, everything he is doing and saying is expressing that message of hope, 
and invitation into that relationship with God. Now tonight, first, there's this very interesting parable, this story that Jesus tells about these four kinds of soil. What kind of soil, what kind of person are you in terms of your response to God and to his word? Are you a footpath person? Are you a rocky soil person? Are you a thorn patch person? Or are you the good soil? Now, you'll know what I mean when you hear Jesus tell his story at the beginning of our reading tonight. Not other people. Think about your own heart and your own life, even as a believer. Which kind of soil represents your reaction toward God? We're going to read about the demoniac that we've read about in the other Gospels as well, the one who lived in the cemetery among the tombstones. And then we're going to hear about more women. Luke, in particular, is interested in showing us how Jesus reacted and responded to women in the time of this first century Roman Empire. More about Jesus discipling and training his 12 disciples as well on the Bible life. Luke 8, 4 through 9, 62. Luke 8. One day Jesus told this story to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. This seed began to grow, but soon it withered and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that shot up and choked out the tender blades. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop 100 times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what the story meant. He replied, You have been permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I am using these stories to conceal everything about it from outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. They see what I do, but they don't really see. They hear what I say, but they don't understand. This is the meaning of the story. The seed is God's message. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the message, but then the devil comes and steals it away and prevents them from believing and being saved. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message with joy. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. They believe for a while, but they wilt when the hot winds of testing blow. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the message. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. But the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's message, cling to it, and steadily produce a huge harvest. No one would light a lamp and then cover it up or put it under a bed. No, lamps are mounted in the open where they can be seen by those entering the house. For everything that is hidden or secret will eventually be brought to light and made plain to all. So be sure to pay attention to what you hear. To those who are open to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. Once, when Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, they couldn't get to him because of the crowds. Someone told Jesus, Your mother and your brothers are outside, and they want to see you. Jesus replied, My mother and my brothers are all those who hear the message of God and obey it. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. On the way across, Jesus lay down for a nap, and while he was sleeping, the wind began to rise. A fierce storm developed that threatened to swamp them, and they were in real danger. The disciples woke him up shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown! So Jesus rebuked the wind and the raging waves. The storm stopped, 
and all was calm. Then he asked them, Where is your faith? And they were filled with awe and amazement. They said to one another, Who is this man, that even the winds and waves obey him? So they arrived in the land of the Gerasenes, across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him, homeless and naked. He had lived in a cemetery for a long time. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell to the ground before him, screaming, Why are you bothering me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was shackled with chains, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. What is your name? Jesus asked. Legion, he replied, for the man was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons pleaded with him to let them enter into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission, so the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake, where they drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby city and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, for they wanted to see for themselves what had happened. And they saw the man who had been possessed by demons sitting quietly at Jesus' feet, clothed and sane, and the whole crowd was afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed, and all the people in that region begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go too, but Jesus said, No, go back to your family and tell them all the wonderful things God has done for you. So he went all through the city, telling about the great thing Jesus had done for him. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. On the other side of the lake, the crowds received Jesus with open arms, because they had been waiting for him. And now a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell down at Jesus' feet, begging him to come home with him. His only child was dying, a little girl twelve years old. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds, and there was a woman in the crowd who had had a hemorrhage for twelve years. She had spent everything she had on doctors and still could find no cure. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus told him, No, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that Jesus knew, she began to tremble and fell to her knees before him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from Jairus' home with the message, Your little girl is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just trust me and she will be all right. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, James, John, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, Stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She is only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, Get up, my child. And at that moment her life returned, and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. Luke 9 
One day, Jesus called together his twelve apostles and gave them power and authority to cast out demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the coming of the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Don't even take along a walking stick, he instructed them, nor a traveler's bag, nor food, nor money, not even an extra coat. When you enter each village, be a guest in only one home. If the people of the village won't receive your message when you enter it, shake off its dust from your feet as you leave. It is a sign that you have abandoned that village to its fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. When reports of Jesus' miracles reached Herod Antipas, he was worried and puzzled because some were saying, This is John the Baptist, come back to life again. Others were saying, It is Elijah or some other ancient prophet risen from the dead. I beheaded John, Herod said. So who is this man about whom I hear such strange stories? And he tried to see him. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him. And he welcomed them, teaching them about the kingdom of God and curing those who were ill. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Late in the afternoon, the twelve disciples came to him and said, Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this deserted place. But Jesus said, You feed them. Impossible, they protested. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. Just tell them to sit down on the ground in groups of about 50 each, Jesus replied. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and asked God's blessing on the food. Breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples to give to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and they picked up twelve baskets of leftovers. One day, as Jesus was alone, praying, he came over to his disciples and asked them, Who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he asked them, Who do you say I am? Peter replied, You are the Messiah sent from God. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about this. For I, the Son of Man, must suffer many terrible things, he said. I will be rejected by the leaders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. I will be killed, but three days later I will be raised from the dead. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose or forfeit your own soul in the process? If a person is ashamed of me and my message, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return in my glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. And I assure you that some of you standing here right now will not die before you see the kingdom of God. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothing became dazzling white. Then two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about how he was about to fulfill God's plan by dying in Jerusalem. Peter and the others were very drowsy and had fallen asleep. Now they woke up and saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, this is wonderful. We will make three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. 
But even as he was saying this, a cloud came over them, and terror gripped them as it covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice died away, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone what they had seen until long after this happened. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The next day, after they had come down the mountain, a huge crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, look at my boy who is my only son. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It is always hitting and injuring him. It hardly ever leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast the spirit out, but they couldn't do it. You stubborn, faithless people, Jesus said. How long must I be with you and put up with you? Bring him here. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. All gripped the people as they saw this display of God's power. While everyone was marveling over all the wonderful things he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, Listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed. But they didn't know what he meant. Its significance was hidden from them, so they could not understand it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Then there was an argument among them as to which of them would be the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons. We tried to stop him because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, Don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. As the time drew near for his return to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival, but they were turned away. The people of the village refused to have anything to do with Jesus because he had resolved to go to Jerusalem. When James and John heard about it, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we order down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went on to another village. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you no matter where you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests. But I, the Son of Man, have no home of my own, not even a place to lay my head. He said to another person, Come, be my disciple. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Jesus replied, Let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach the coming of the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. End of reading, Luke 8, 4 through 9:62. There is hope for every man, a solid place where we can stand in this dry and weary land. There is hope for every man. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Perhaps in our culture today, we tend to listen to the parable of the four soils mostly from an evangelistic point of view. In other words, those who are responding to the gospel for the very first time. That is a great application. If you've not come to the end of yourself and decided 
to place your hope and your trust in Jesus, the Messiah, for your relationship with God and for your eternal salvation, then, of course, this applies to you as well. Are you open to receiving the salvation of God? Is your heart hardened to where you would scoff and you would perhaps ridicule the gospel? Is your heart a little tender? There's something there. There's some response, but it falls short of a total commitment of your heart and life to him. Or maybe you are so distracted by the concerns and affairs of this world, so absorbed and so obsessed with this life and the affairs of this life that you don't even really think about God or spiritual matters. Those are the four soils, the footpath people, the rocky soil people, the thorn patch people, and then good soil who are responsive to God's word and to the call of the gospel. Which one represents your heart? Even as a believer, are you still responsive to God's correction and guidance in your life? Well, he crosses over the Galilee And we see this magnificent example of what we call a dramatized claim to be the Messiah, to be the Son of God. Jesus claims repeatedly to be the Son of God. He's understood perfectly well in the context. So many times people pick up stones to stone him, to punish him for blasphemy, for claiming to be God, claiming to be equal with the Father. There were direct claims. There were indirect claims where he took upon himself the authority, the prerogatives of God. He claimed the ability to forgive sins, for example. The Pharisees and the religious leaders themselves even said, he can't do that, only God can forgive sins. And yet Jesus did repeatedly claim to be able to forgive sins, and he demonstrated that ability by raising a paralyzed man up, restoring his health to be able to walk. So uh, that is an indirect claim that Jesus made to forgive sins or to be the Lord of the Sabbath, as he makes clear at another point. And then finally, we would see his dramatized claims where in fulfillment of the Old Testament passages, Psalm 148 says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you creatures of the ocean depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, wind and weather that obey him, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all livestock. Here we have several incidents of this tonight. One, he controls the wind and the waves, and then here he casts these demons into these swine who are also subject to him as the Messiah, as the Son of God. So we see clearly some dramatized claims on the part of the Messiah demonstrating clearly that he was indeed that long-promised, long-awaited Savior, Redeemer, just king, righteous king, righteous branch, good shepherd, all of those titles that we read about in the Old Testament. He fulfills each and every one of those prophecies, all of the expectations of the Messiah. Some of the expectations were militaristic, and Jesus will someday liberate, reign, and rule, but that will be fulfilled when he comes again as conquering king. He has come before as humble servant to purchase our redemption as the Lamb of God. Once again, our reading from the Psalms and the Proverbs goes so well with our reading from the Gospels and from the New Testament. The Bible demonstrates itself continually to be a seamless book. It has a central theme. It stays with that theme. It has a consistent message about God, God's love, the problem of sin, the solution that God has given to us by sending the Messiah And that we as individual human beings must make a decision. Each and every one of us have the privilege of making a decision about whether or not we will follow Christ, trust in God, and submit our lives to Him or not. 
And I ask you again tonight, where do you stand? I hope that you are submitting your life to Christ and experiencing His presence and His salvation. See you next time. Reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word.